Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is August 10th, 2019. How you doing? How's your weekend going? Well, mine's going pretty good. I'm just studying some uh, information here. Got some Bitcoin information I want to dive into in coin analysis. But at the top of the show, I want to talk about when and how to accumulate Bitcoin. I got a phone call yesterday from a close friend, and we started talking about Bitcoin and that person knows me for a very long time. They know that, um, you know, I'm a, a podcaster. Uh, I, I report on this stuff. And, but the, the question, the main question that person asked was, well, Car, how do I start buying it? Like something very simple. And when do I know when to sell it? And where is this going long term? Well, I had some very important information to tell him. It was directly related to this answer. The millennial generation, well, if they were to buy equities at this point, they're the most expensive they've ever been in all history, roughly. If they buy bonds, they get virtually no yields. If they buy real estate, well, it's unaffordable. But even if they could, it's almost at all-time record highs. So what the hell does a millennial do? to save for your future when almost all assets have negative imputed returns for the next 20 years, 10 years? And the answer is, well, why don't you take the optionality of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin? Because nothing else gives you that risk-reward profile where you can be wrong, but you do it early on. You've still got plenty of time to accumulate wealth in other assets too. But if it pays off, it'll pay off so spectacularly that everything will be right. It's basically like being given a better chance than the baby boomers got when they could buy equities in 1982 and bonds in 1982, right? That was a gift. That's why they're the richest generation there's ever been. They were given a gift. Equities were trading at a PE of seven in the US and bond yields were at 15% in the US. They basically didn't have to do anything but buy bonds, buy equities and go to the beach. <laughs> And that's what I told him. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, I felt like when I was growing up, um, my older brother that uh, was a, a Gen Xer from that generation, he had the opportunity to invest in these web companies in the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, Amazon was like worth, I don't know, three, four, five dollars a stock. And of course, we know now it's over a thousand dollars. So, there was an opportunity back then, even for his generation, smaller opportunity, not on this kind of grand scale as a Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But what I think the vast majority of people out there that are at least in my age range um, don't recognize this. And it's it's very sad. It's very sad because I feel like the vast majority of us probably have, you know, regular jobs that we throw our money in for a 401k that goes to these bonds and, you know, stocks and Vanguard and 
all this other stuff that we really don't pay much attention to, but we're told that, hey, this is what you need to do to save for your retirement. So we do it. And for the longest time, I've been comfortable with that. I never thought it, that was a bad idea, you know. But as I get older, uh, I start realizing that, hey, I need to invest into something else, you know, whether that's real estate or cryptocurrency. <laughs> I, I, I know where this is headed and I feel like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for myself and my family. When 2017 happened, it was like seeing something that you had because I had put in place in, in late in uh, late 2014, early 2015, what I was going to do when it came to Bitcoin. At the time, there wasn't a lot of easy on ramps for Bitcoin. Uh, Coinbase was one of them. But at that time, Coinbase couldn't have been trusted the way it is now. It was just completely different back then. And so. I would say it was a little bit harder for at least for myself getting into the space and understanding how it worked, how to accumulate Bitcoin and, and where to accumulate it and how to store it and stuff like that. Today, I think it's a lot easier to do this, uh, quite honestly. You can you can actually download an app like Coinbase or Square and uh, get Bitcoin almost immediately. What I do these days is completely different than what I did back then. I'm just a lot more patient. Um, I just recognize that this is going to be a long term investment, you know, over my lifespan, hopefully. And I really don't get too jaded by the, the ups and downs. Well, <laughs> I say that lightly. Uh, seeing that spike up to 2017 was was kind of like a uh, at least it, for me, it was very much like a, a solidifying um, stamp of approval uh, for what I did in 2015 and, and how I accumulated Bitcoin. And seeing it happen in 2017 was like, oh, wow, OK, so I did know what I was doing uh, and we, we did it successfully. So when this down market happened at around um, October, November, when that happened, it was like, oh, wow, we are in this this bear crypto winter. Right. And so almost immediately at that time, I purchased a significant amount of money in, in, in Bitcoin when that happened, when we reached the, the dead of winter, you can, you can go back and listen to those episodes where I'm talking about how I'm buying Bitcoin every week because I knew it was going to quadruple in value here in the short term. I just had I just knew. And so I bought a lot of Bitcoin at that at that time. And so now I would say probably um, right after the April bulls run around May, when I got back from New York, I started dollar cost averaging in. Don't get me wrong. I was always buying Bitcoin every week. Uh, you know, through the Square app or through Coinbase. But I never really had a, a full plan in place where I was just like, you know, first and 15th, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to buy Bitcoin and stuff like that. And these days, that's what I'm doing. I'm buying it on these direct days every month. And so by doing that, you accumulate Bitcoin over time. And yes, the price could go down, but we know how quickly the price can go up too as well. Right. So what I do are these two dates and I, I just keep it that way. And I've been doing this successfully here for three, four months already. And I've, I realized this is what I'm going to do long term because I, this is this is an asset class I want to stay in uh, investment wise. Right. And this, of course, I'm you know, we're creating podcasts and we're creating episodes in this space. So, you know, I want to take a, a very like, um, you know, professional approach to it. 
And I'm also buying here weekly too as well. You know, you know, sometimes you have an extra $10, $20 that you set yourself, you know, on a budget. Sometimes you don't spend it on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And I usually buy Bitcoin whenever I see the price going really low. And then what I do is I have this, what you would call a Bitcoin HODL account, right? And I throw that, you know, safely stored away, you know, on a ledger or treasure or a keep key, whatever you want to use, you know, and you save your private keys, right? And you, you do all this and you put that away, your HODL, your HODL position, the ones that the, the, the amount that you're willing to hold for the long term for the next big run. And then what I do is I take this little smaller stack, I would say probably about a third of a stack and, you know, I throw it on like Kraken or Gemini or Coinbase Pro. And that's what I use to trade with. Like those, those are the ones that I'm using to trade with. And then, of course, I have all my alts that I keep, have my, my ones that I'm keeping for the long term. And I, and I store those away too, whether that's on an Exodus wallet, you know, or whether that's on a, a ledger or a treasure or a keep key. Those get put away too as well. I try not to leave too much money on an exchange or on Coinbase or anything like that. If, if I do, it's going to be moved almost immediately. One thing I've noticed in this space that if you don't have the majority of your Bitcoin or the majority of your cryptocurrency offline and stored away, then you're putting yourself at risk. And, and that's just the honest truth. But by doing this, I have this little smaller position, the smaller little position that I can try to accumulate more Bitcoin with. And whether that's trading or whether that's, you know, just picking these spots and finding these resistant levels and then selling there and then buying back down when it goes lower. This is how you accumulate more Bitcoin. You dollar cost average in. You set yourself a time frame when you want to buy it on either on specific dates in a month, you know, or quarterly or yearly. And then you also can do some, you know, resistance level trading back and forth. Right. Buying that buying that volatility. Right. And then you can also dollar cost average in. And so these are the main main touching points I wanted to talk about at the top of this podcast, because when I talked to my friend yesterday, he, he was just confused by what everything I was saying. And I, I, I hope, I hope he takes the main thing that I told him. And that's just to set yourself a, a date, two dates a month and buy Bitcoin through Coinbase. You can even set your own kind of like uh, reoccurring amount through there as well, too, if you go to their website. And that's what I told him to do. And so he did it. He downloaded the Coinbase app um, and he is dollar cost averaging in on a monthly basis. And I think long term, because I told him, I was like, hey, we're probably not going to see a big run up, you know, until next year. Right. We'll see a significant amount. But I, I said, I said, I guarantee you, you'll be a lot better off participating than not participating. OK, with that, let's get into coin analysis. Let's do it. You know, one of my favorite things to do, you know, on like on a weekend 
is look through all these trader accounts at tradingview.com. I love like scouring and finding out who was right and who was wrong and where their resistance levels are at. Just just straight up research, man. Just looking at everything, right? I love doing that. It's one of my favorite hobbies on the weekends, <laughs> looking at traders. Um, so I, I ran into Dacto today. He's somebody I've been following for a while. Uh, most of the time he's, you know, he's right, um, but sometimes he's really wrong. But when he's wrong, he's really wrong. And and uh, we put together some pieces uh, this week, uh, specifically yesterday. And he was talking about how, you know, this bull scenario and this bearish scenario. And as I, I stay in this space a lot longer, I realize you always need to have two options, right? We're either, uh, we're either going up or we're going down. There's really... There's really no um, reason why you should tell people, if especially if you have a podcast or if you have a uh, YouTube channel or something, you should never tell your audience like we're going down and this is how we're going down. You shouldn't you shouldn't tell them we're going up and this is why we're going up. You should give them options of where we're going, either up or down, and give them resistance levels. That's the best thing you could do for your 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 listeners or your audience out there. Uh, and then you also want to educate them as well, too. You want to educate them on the technology and you also want to explain to them what the long term effects of something like this and how it correlates to the rest of the global market. Right. And so what I try to do all these things for you, I try to make sure that you guys have a really good macro picture of everything. You have a good micro picture of the short term with these two options where it can go up or down. And then every once in a while, we like to throw a little education. Right. Find out exactly how these protocols work. What is it that's good about these protocols and what is it that protocol either missing, whether that's governance or some other type of uh, legality that's just not built into the protocol, right? So today I'm going to talk about Bitcoin and I want to talk about where we're going and specifically what Dacto had uh, posted here. And I'll put a link inside the uh, show notes and we'll put charts in there too as well. So uh, he has some interesting analysis on uh, the majority of the Bitcoin market. And some of the different things that uh, a lot of people are saying is that they feel like this um, this breakup that we had here to 12.1, I think it was 12K, uh, they feel like that's going to go down. And specifically, that's what happened. We went down to $11,344 today. But a lot of people are expecting us that if we don't hold this 12K resistance level, like if we keep going back up and we have been doing that past 48 hours, it's going back from 12K to 11.3, going back and forth, trading that volatility. You could you could basically buy in right now at 11.3 and then when it goes back up to 12, sell and then go back down to 11.3 and back and forth. That's kind of what's been going on the past 48 hours. I haven't been kind of, I don't want to buy anything right now because I don't want to get chopped up, right? Um, so what I'm looking at here in the short term is to see if we're going to hold this 10.7 resistance level. And this is where everybody has these levels at. It's 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 pretty interesting, right, how you'll have a majority uh, expecting these different things. And even when you look at the, the news surrounding this week and we're leading up into this Bitcoin ETF and shh, don't tell anybody. No one. No one's talking about it out there on Twitter. Um, but, you know, that's going to come up here on the 19th and that's like nine days away. So uh, I'm sure next week some people will start talking about it. But for right now, no one's paying attention to it. And we have this like uh, 
this level where we're at right now, where we're trying to get past this 12K level. And for whatever reason, we can't get we can't push through it. And we saw a big red candle yesterday that that took us back down to test 11.3. And right now we're kind of going in between 11.3, 11.4 and staying in these two little little zones here in, in the past, you know, eight to 12 hours. And so what I'm looking at here in the short term, this is going to be the, the, the bearish scenario, right? So what I'm looking here in the short term is, let me, let me zoom in on this real quick, is this 10.7 level. We're at 11.3 right now. And I'm looking at 10.7. If we fall below 10.7, then of course that's going to take us to 10.1 and then possibly 9.7. When I say 9.7, I mean 9,700. And so we have Dacto. He's predicting that we're going to retest this strong resistance level at $6,594. This is the bearish scenario, the bearish option. Now, I don't necessarily think we'll go that low, but the only thing that kind of does scare me is when you have this 200-day moving average. The vast majority of Bitcoin's um, charts have always retested this 200-day moving average. And you can go back in time and even back as far as 2016, 2015, and even through this 2018 uh, bear drop, right, where we had uh, the, the 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 wicks break through this 200-day moving average, and then even when it tried to go above it, it couldn't, and then that pendulum swung the opposite way. And in April, during the April bulls run, we went past the 200-day moving average, and we went up to the positive upside. And so now we're we're staring down at the 200-day moving average. And right now, that 200-day moving average is roughly around 67, 6,700. And so that's what scares me for this bearish scenario is that we're so above that 200-day moving average that Bitcoin has always wanted to go down and retest that. Over time, that 200-day moving average will move slightly up. So as time increases this next month, it'll probably be around 7, 7K. The 200-day moving average will be two months from now, three months from now. It might even be above 9K. Eventually, we'll have a 200-day moving average above 10K, and that's where we want to be. Frankly, that's where I want to be, where I feel comfortable if we fall back down to 10K. I feel like I feel like once we get that 200-day moving average above 10K, I feel, I feel like a lot more people will feel a lot more bullish in this space. And that's what you have a lot majority of the majority of traders uh, afraid of is this 200-day moving average and how low it is compared to where we're at roughly around 12K range. And so you have you have people like Dacto predicting that we're going to retest this 6K. And of course, they're giving you levels on the way down. They're saying, OK, 11.7, 12K is where or that resistance level is. That's where it's probably going to stay. We're not going to get above it. This is the bearish scenario. Then we're going to test down to the 11.1, 10.700 range which makes sense. And then from there, we're going to go back down to $9,700 range. And then from there, it's going to keep going down. And people are predicting that we get to the $9,700 range again, that we'll fall back down to the $6,700 range. This is the bearish scenario. And this is why it's good to have a huddle position. And this is why it's going to be patient and to be very precise with what you're doing and having a plan, right? So this is why I don't really worry about this in, in the short term. Even if it does get down to the uh, $6,700 level, that's a good opportunity for myself to put even more money, you know, into Bitcoin, like a significant amount. But this is the bear scenario. If we look here at the bull scenario, 
And this is this is the scenario I like talking about all the time. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And even in his bull scenario, he has this going sideways for a while, uh, leading into the having. Um, he doesn't foresee us actually breaking past this 14K range until shortly after the having. Mm, to me, <laughs> if I'm making my own bullish prediction for what a real bullish scenario would be, is what's going to happen with this ETF? I, I, I know a lot of people will think this is silly, but I, I stand by it. And, and I, I think sometimes you got to make you got to make a stand, <laughs> especially when you, when you have calls. Right. You don't need to be right necessarily, but you just need to know how the market's going to react. And I feel like I've been in the space a long enough time to know how the market is going to react. So I really think that on the 19th, if we see Bitcoin, you know, ETF get flat out denied, I think we fall into this bearish scenario. I really do. I think that has such a strong, you know, enough opinion for us to fall. I really do. And I think getting to that $6,800, $6,900 level like he's predicting makes a lot of sense. But if I think it gets delayed, like if it gets delayed on the 19th and the Bitcoin ETF gets delayed to October, then I think that gives us more time, you know, to retest and break out of this 12K range and go above and, and see if we can get above 14K. Because like it or not, the back is going to launch here at the end of the third quarter. And that's going to that's going to bring a lot of money into Bitcoin. It, it just is. <laughs> and you're going to have. A, a lot of media talking about backed at that point. Let's hope they don't stay hush hush on this stuff. But I, I would imagine that at that point, the cat is out of the bag and you have backed in, in full force promoting its products, going on CNBC, talking about Bitcoin, talking about how it's a safe haven, asset class and all of the above. And I think that puts us in a bullish scenario. I really do. But one other thing to pay attention to is that Bitcoin ETF. If that Bitcoin ETF gets denied in October, gets straight up denied in October, then I think I think you're going to have this these bulls and bears kind of fight each other and it's going to chop it up. And who knows? Maybe we go sideways for a while. I don't know. At that point, we'll reassess. Right. I would say that's a good point to reassess. But I think here in the short term, within the next week or so, I want to see what's going to happen with the, the Bitcoin ETF. You know, when Facebook, when we knew Facebook was going to happen, they're going to show up in Congress. I did not foresee us talking about the vast majority of people in Congress and, and the Senate hearings talking about how Bitcoin is digital gold. I did not see that see that happening. I did not see the president, you know, go out there and talk about Bitcoin or the Treasury Secretary or even the Federal Reserve Chair, um, you know, Powell talk about Bitcoin. Like there is no way to predict that. There is no way to understand that that could possibly happen. But we did know that Facebook was going to be a significant um, a date for for cryptocurrency and that what it was going to mean for I was thinking like, oh, OK, maybe it's they're going to crap on, on Bitcoin and this is going to lead us to go down. But it did the complete opposite. Same thing with the Bitcoin ETF. Make no mistake, this is going to be a significant date here on the 19th of whether this, can, this gets denied, approved, or you know, gets extended out. But I'm waiting for that date here in the short term. If it gets denied, if the Bitcoin ETF gets denied, 
I am comfortable saying that I think I think the mar- I think the Bitcoin market will go down. I don't know how down it will go, but if we hit these resistance resistance levels, then of course uh, everybody's predicting that's going to retest the 200-day moving average. What better time than to retest the 200-day moving average after a Bitcoin ETF gets denied, right? And and then when you have back to launch at the end of the third quarter, well, guess what happens then? I feel like that still puts us in a bullish scenario for Bitcoin to rise. Right. Or at least go back up and retest that 12K level, 10K, 10, 10, 7 level. Right. So these are my bullish scenarios in my head. And this is where I see it going here in the short term. But it all it all depends on the 19th. We're going to do a Thriller Insider on the Bitcoin ETF here next week. So we'll definitely cover it from top to bottom and you'll be able to know exactly what's going on what it's all about and what this means. And we'll go into more in-depth coverage on it here next week. But um, yeah, I think short term for right now, man, I would love for it to get to, to 10.1 or to not 10.7 <laughs> so I can buy some more uh, or at least trade some more. That'd be fun. Okay, with that, let's get into coin speculation. Speculative token analysis. These are future predictions. All right. So we got a coin market cap of $294 billion. Bitcoin dominance falling off 2% at 69%. So yeah, Bitcoin is at 11300 And the vast majority of people are calling this alt season, baby. <laughs> you know, uh, it, I don't necessarily think it's all season, but it, it, it definitely feels like it. We saw, gosh, man, it, it hurt a lot. We saw Cosmos fall down. It was it was at three eighty two was was the was the peak, and it it crashed down to three dollars and ten cents. Oh, that hurt! That hurt so much. Right now, it's currently at three dollars and thirty cents, and it's up six percent on the day. Uh, we just saw Coinbase announce yesterday that Algorand. Is going to be launching on Coinbase Pro, so that they're getting a new cryptocurrency. We'll have to definitely cover Algorand, you know, in a main topic here in the next couple of weeks. I don't want to do it next week because we have something already scheduled, but I do want to cover Algorand uh, in two weeks from now. I don't think. Well, I'll, I'll save my opinion. Let me do more research. Let me be like thoroughly, you know, clear-headed when I do it. And try to keep my biases away as best I can. It's really hard. <laughs> But um, Cosmos, Cosmos, I am hoping we can get back up to this $3.82 range. Again, this is really highly like, you know, bullish scenario I'm betting on Cosmos because I I think when we do land on Coinbase, when Cosmos does land on there, I think we're going to see we're going to see it go back up to $5 again. I, I really do believe that. But it's likely that that won't happen, right? This is why they're. This is why this is like a really tricky area to cover. But I'm still betting on it. I'm still betting on it here in the short term, within the next month or so. Hopefully, it gets landed on Coinbase, and we can see what the Coinbase effect of that will be. Um, another one I'm looking at is getting decred. I, I, I moved uh, the vast majority of my decred to my offline wallets now, so it's not being stored anywhere. 
but it's it went as low as $24. I think it was, was $24, $26. And right now it's going back up to $27. I, as I as I get as I stay longer in this space, I real especially doing this Bitcoin protocol episode yesterday, I really realize how important governance is and into um, cryptocurrency and why it should be built in a protocol level. Um, and I, I'm starting to realize that Decred does hold um, a, a, a big enough use case to 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 hedge against Bitcoin. Uh, and I feel like that's early enough to where people will recognize this later, because if I'm already recognizing it now, I feel like the vast majority of the crypto space will probably recognize Decred, you know, maybe six, 12 months from now of it being a really good store value. But it'll come with time. It has to come with education and everything. It can't just come out of nowhere. It has to come with time. And I think Decred is one of those where it's um, it's one that I want to take a position on. I can't wait till that launches on Coinbase because I want these days I'm really just purchasing through Coinbase and Gemini and Kraken. I'm staying away from any outside exchanges or any ones that I'm just very fearful of. Um, so I feel more comfortable. I would feel more comfortable purchasing Decred from Coinbase. Uh, I just don't I just don't trust these outside exchanges anymore. And maybe that's just a maturation of how I approach crypto these days as opposed to wow, I did it in 2015, 2016, 2017. It's just I'm just realizing that the risk versus reward is um, just not not worth it for me like it was at one time. So I, I think I'm going to feel more comfortable purchasing more Decred here when it lands on Coinbase and start investing that for the long term. Um, like I said, I, I have a little bit of it, but it's not enough to where it's going to make a, you know, a, a, a nice chunk. But if it if it gets back up to these levels of 111, 117 dollars, like it did on the last run, it's very likely we could see anywhere above that, and maybe even more once Decred becomes more of a uh, of a really good store value and a, a different take on how to create a, a decentralized, governed uh, cryptocurrency in the future. So. Those are the two ones I'm betting on, and I think those are the two ones I had last week. But I feel like that's um, I feel like these are still in my purview. Okay. We had an extraordinary week. Um, so many use cases for Bitcoin are appearing out of the blue. The U.S.-China currency war is something that's going to continue on as we go into the rest of this year. Bitcoin, to me, doesn't necessarily have to beat every cryptocurrency out there, nor does it have to beat any fiat money to succeed. Bitcoin is a revolution at this point, and the vast majority of people are either going to pay attention to it, participate in it, or get left behind. I'm starting to recognize that to be more factually true as the year goes on. Even if Bitcoin were to fall back down to 7K, I don't predict anybody shaking off what this could possibly do for the human race. All right. See you guys next week.